much love. Out on the wily, windy moors, we'd roll and fall in green. You had a temper like my jealousy, too hot, too greedy. How could you leave me when I needed to possess you? I hated you. I loved you too. And that, of course, is Wuthering Heights by Kate Bush in episode 17, season four of Ravage Love. That is a book club classic. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, here we are at the end of my birthday month. And because I'm a big old nerd, I requested book club as a theme because i am a woman in my late 30s who's in three separate book clubs because <laughs> I, I mentioned last week that i was in one and it was the i ignore my kids book club but i want to be very clear i can never ignore my kids they won't let me no so yeah i have learned um, this throughout the years <laughs> i you know what it's it's actually the dissociation book club where i dissociate and read books <laughs> Well, I love a book club. I co-host a book podcast. <laughs> so I really wanted to, um, yeah, to do book clubs this week. So thank you so much for indulging me. Um, I am always so happy to do the things that you want to do. <laughs> And I'll be honest, yes, I really am a huge book nerd who loves books and reads a ton, but also it was a very convenient excuse to continue my love for the Bromance Book Club series. So that's right. Longtime listeners might be familiar with, I think it was last, at least one season ago, I read the very first book in the Bromance Book Club series collection it was a standalone at the time there are now three four books with a fifth one coming um and they are delightful and i read the second one in the series this week called undercover bromance by lisa k adams so she's an american journalist who's a journalist for 20 years who turned to writing because she sought a happily ever after uh in 2015 is when she started writing romance and the under the this particular book but the whole series started in 2020 so this stuff is really new and in fact when i was checking out her website yesterday in anticipation of our podcast i saw that there is a christmas one coming out in the fall which i'm very excited about so generally you know how our podcast started was renee and i went to a thrift store we found a whole mint collection of harlequin romances and it created this sort of spark this idea now so i generally thrift books for this i found them in like sale bins at like indigo um a lot of ebooks self-published stuff these books once i read the first one i was so into it that i went out and i bought the other four so like i own these books (laughs) and would read them regardless of whether or not we have a podcast so take that as an endorsement listeners if you are wanting to dip your toe in the world of romance or maybe you're interested in contemporary romance i'm gonna tell you straight up this series is fucking fire so undercover bromance so for those of you who did not listen to the other episode it is a book club made up of frankly alpha males we're talking athletes we're talking restaurateurs we're talking businessmen uh entrepreneurs all of these stuff and they come together and in secret and read romance novels and use them as basically like manuals and textbooks on how to improve their own relationships that's like the premise of the series in this one we're starting off with again reminding folks about the book club so there's about 10 people Mm -hmm. in the book club and they decide to be brave and go and buy books irl so they're gonna go to a bookstore together and they challenge each other to pick one book each and the rules are you cannot hide the cover while you're walking around the store and if someone asks you about it or you go to pay you cannot lie and say that it's a present (laughs) 
<laughs> you have to acknowledge that it's yourself and it's them trying to challenge themselves and saying, hey, we're reading these books to challenge toxic masculinity. Let's walk the walk. Let's, we shouldn't be so mortified that we read these books. We should own it. Um, and so this book really focuses on one of the characters named Brayden Mack, who's known by most people as Mack. And he picks a book called The Protector and all the other book club members kind of roll their eyes. They're like, we assume so. So Mac loves an enemies to lovers story. Oh, okay. And loves romantic suspense, which we've Ooh, read on the okay. show. Mm -hmm. So keeping that in mind, this book is basically an enemies to lovers romantic suspense. So it's kind of like a book in a book in a book in a book kind of a situation. Um, and so Mac ended up, he actually founded the club, but he's now the only person in the club who is single. And oh, he no. is a restaurateur and a bar owner, very handsome, very charming. And in fact, he's in the bookstore and he's like wooing the woman behind the desk. Um, I picture that scene from the second magic mic where they go and like seduce the woman at the Seven Eleven because they just can't help themselves because they're just oozing charisma. So this is Mac. <laughs> and... His friends are like, oh, you know, you like you have this date, another date tomorrow with this woman Gretchen that you've been seeing. She's a she's a lawyer who represents refugees and immigrants. She's really, really smart. She's really beautiful. And he's like, yeah. And I think I'm gonna like steal the deal tomorrow. I think I'm gonna tell her like, I want I want to be your boyfriend. Let's be exclusive. And they're like, nah, you're not gonna do it. And he's like, no, no. And he, he's thinking to himself, you know, I know I had this pers like this persona of being this like player and this charmer and like a you know consummate bachelor but he's like i really do want what my friends have like i really do want a wife and i want kids and i want a family so the next day he plans this fancy date at a new restaurant called savoy and he pulls out all the stops he's got a lot of money he's a restaurant tour so he books the vip section gets a bottle of champagne and right away, you could tell that Gretchen is like, okay, this is a bit over the top. Like, I represent people who have no possessions and you're taking me out on the town with, like, glitz and glamour. And the owner of that restaurant comes out with the sous chef holding this $1,000 cupcake. Oh, no. It is a cupcake with edible gold on it and it's this oh. big fucking lavish thing and the owner of savoy has his own show on the food network and he's kind of like the uh i don't know like the bobby flay of like the, i don't even know who, like in the food network or, like not guy fieri because we love guy fieri but like a schmoozy like greasy guy from the food network and he has the sous chef and the sous chef is carrying this cupcake and matt goes oh my god live and recognizes the sous chef as the sister-in-law of one of his book club members. And in fact, the book club member that was featured in the first book. So that's like sort of a bit of the tie-in. And she's like, hi, 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 like pretending like don't make a scene. And he realizes, oh, this, the chef, like the owner of Savoy, he wants to be the center of attention. And he doesn't like that I'm actually more excited to see the sous chef. And he's like, can we take a picture together? And she's like, no, 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 no. And he's like, no, no, no. I want to show, like, I want to show your brother-in-law, like, oh my God, like I came to your restaurant. I had no idea you worked here. I'm so excited. Come on, come on, come on, take a picture. And then coaxing her to come and take a picture, knocks over the tray, the thousand dollar cupcake lands in his date's lap. He's mortified. Mm. The date is just like, oh my gosh, everyone's making a huge fuss. It's not a big deal. It's just a stain on my dress. She knows, oh my God, I'm going to get fucking fired because my boss is a tyrant. So he says, oh my gosh, you know, we'll, we'll comp your meal. So sorry this happened, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry I did this. I'm so, so sorry. Like, I'm going to pay for your dry cleaning bill. And they, you know, he leaves the restaurant with Gretchen and she's like, you know what? Like, I I'm, I'm not feeling this. And he's never been dumped in his life. So he is shooketh. And he's like, what's going on? And she's like, I just, it's too much. Like, it's just, it's too much. This isn't my world. And like, I just, it doesn't feel right to me. And like, I just feel like I, you're just showy. Like, I don't actually know who you are. I want a genuine connection with someone. And he just blurts out, I'm in a book club. <laughs> and she's like, what? And he's like, well, you said you wanted to know me and you wanted to know like the real me. And so like, I'm in a 
romance book club and like we read these books and like it's how we learn to like be good partners and she's like oh yeah that makes sense actually because you you know how to schmooze a woman but i don't think you know how to actually be with a woman it feels like you're reading things from a textbook so i'm not feeling this and he is just absolutely shaken to his core and he's waiting out there and just sort of pacing outside the restaurant like what in the ever-loving fuck and then all of a sudden Liv bolts out of the restaurant with her backpack and everything and he's like oh my god what's the matter and she's like well i got fired he's like you got fired and she's like yeah I got fired because I dropped the cupcake on you. So fuck off. You just literally got me fired from my job. And he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, what a dick. What a weird reason to fire someone. Hey, why don't you come work for me? I'm always hiring people. You're an incredible chef. And she's like, fuck you. I don't need your charity. Leave me alone. So he is just spiraling out now. He's like, I lost my date. This person I was really starting to fall for. And I just got this woman fired. Holy shit. What do I do? The next day it's book club at the house of the brother-in-law of where this woman works. And she walks in and sees him. She gets really mad. And then he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry about everything that happened. Then we find out she didn't just get fired, Renee. She got called into her boss's office where she knew I'm probably going to get fired. And if not, I'm going to absolutely get like an ass kicking from him. Walks in on him sexually assaulting the hostess. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God. What? Yeah. Being an absolute creeper with his like, you know, you should have told me that we had a famous guest coming in today. And she's like, I didn't know that you knew him. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know that he owned all these restaurants. I'm so sorry. I should have told you. And he was just like, well, you know what you can do to make up for it. So she overhears this behind the door and she's like, what the fuck? And like barges in and his dick's hanging out. And she's like, Ew. oh my God, I'm going to fucking ruin your life, dude. You can't do this to people. Like uh, the hostess's name is Jessica. And he's like, don't worry, Jessica. I saw everything. I heard everything. Like I will back you up. Blah, blah. And Jessica's like, no, you didn't see anything. Nothing happened. It's fine. It's fine. It's just a misunderstanding. He, he just walked out of the bathroom like that. His fly was down. Like she's making all these excuses. And Liv is like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I'm trying to help you. Like, what is going, why aren't you taking my help? And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. So now Liv is trying to wrestle with the fact that she got fired and needs a job, but also this dude is incredibly powerful and is going to like blacklist her everywhere and tell everyone that she sucks. And that's why he had to fire her. And he's basically going to ruin her life. And then she figures out, oh, this is why he makes everyone sign non-disclosure agreements. Because oh, this no. is a pattern of behavior. So now she is out of a job, but also wanting to make sure this man rots in hell because he is doing this to not only this hostess, but I'm sure to lots of people. Um, then she goes home where she lives on an organic farm Aww. with an old hippie feminist named Rosie. Aww. I pictured Rosie O'Donnell. That's where I went. Um, <laughs> who explained I'm picturing Kathy Bates? Oh, ooh, I like that also. Okay, um, <laughs> well, that's actually even better. Um, and Rosie explains like, motherfucker, we were fighting against the shit in the sixties and seventies. Like, how the fuck do men still get away with this shit? And this is bullshit. And like, blah blah blah. Like, really helping gas her up about like this is bullshit. And then Liv's like, yeah. And I tried to help her. Like, I she had a witness, and she didn't want my help. And Rosie's like, girl. It's more complicated than that. Like she there's, it makes sense that she wouldn't want to report it. This guy is a huge deal. He's famous. He's super rich. She signed a non-disclosure agreement. Like she's like in her twenties and is going to get her life ruined by like, of course she doesn't want to report it. Like not because she doesn't care what he's doing, but because she's trying to look out for herself. And so Rosie says, look, you can't force this girl to do anything, but you can absolutely do what you can to try to make sure it doesn't happen to someone else or to like, at least get her out of that situation. Like, can you get her a job somewhere? So she was like, oh, okay. So I know a guy who's looking for people. So she goes back to Mac and says, I don't want to work for you. I'm still pissed that you got me fired in the first place, but I don't want to work for you, but I do want you to hire this young woman. She's a hostess. She's great. And that means she would have a reason to leave Savoy 
because she wouldn't just be out of a job. She'd be going to another job. And he's like, yeah, and I'll pay her super well and everything. So thus begins the plot of this book where Mac tries to pull some strings to try to get a hold of Jessica. They get a hold of this hostess. And she at first is like kind of tempted, um, but then says, no, it's too, like, this is a really, really good job. And he would be a really great reference. And I don't want to quit and just leave me alone. I don't want to think about this anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Then she clearly tells the sketchy boss that she was, that they tried to recruit her. So now the sketchy boss is trying to come at them. So it turns into this whole thing where they're basically trying to figure out how can we get this sexual harasser fired, exposed, publicized, whatever, knowing that none of us have enough money to go up against him. We've all signed non-disclosure agreements. And in Liv's case, she's like, I witnessed him doing something to someone, but he didn't do it to me. And by telling her story, I'm violating her consent. So what the fuck do I do? And she, there's, the clear enemies to lovers situation where she's pissed at Mac, but then realizes, Hey, he really does want to help. And then they basically use the plot of the book that he's reading called the protector (laughs) to (laughs) take down Royce, the sketchy chef at Savoy. Um, And they like call in reinforcements through the book club. And then there's this whole beautiful lovely subplot where there's this old farmhand who lives on the farm who's this like curmudgeony right-wing former cop former vietnam vet who's just like rough around the edges who very clearly loves rosie but rosie is like i'm a fucking feminist hippie (laughs) and you like are right wing like we're not meant for each other but clearly there's like mutual love between them Um, neither of them want to admit it. And so Mac sees this and then encourages him to join their book club. And he's like, oh, we don't, you know, nowadays everyone's a pussy who talks about their fucking feelings and shit. And no one back in the day used to do that. And he's like, well, I'm just telling you, you're pining for this woman and have for years. And she's not going to fuck you unless you address your toxic masculinity. (laughs) So come join my (laughs) alpha friends and we'll fucking teach you the ways and they do and it's beautiful and that's all i'm gonna tell folks i'm gonna tell you lisa k adams her books always have a happy ending so it has a delightful ending um it's spicy it's very funny her books are so funny and super feminist and in this case i thought it was really powerful the way in which she talks about basically me too um and says in the acknowledgments that this is really kind of a me too novel in terms of you know dedicating it to survivors um she kind of hints that she had an experience working in a kitchen once with someone very similar to that guy um like just a real sex pest kind of a person but yeah i really 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 loved how it was nuanced in its like olivia live being like why the fuck don't you want to report it? I would report it if someone did that to me. And then like being challenged on like, actually it's more complicated than that. And then like some of the men responding with like, we're going to fucking break this guy's face. And then we're having to realize like, oh, that's actually not what's helpful. Even though that might be your instinct, like love the energy, but that's not actually helpful. And also like, if someone tells you something and says, don't tell anyone, then you telling someone is violating their consent. And like, all the stuff that I teach in my work around how you can't violate someone's consent to make a point that violating consent is wrong. Like if a survivor tells you something and says, don't tell anyone you're recreating the same patterns of like not listening to their no. If you go and tell people anyway, you know? Yeah. So just delight 10 out of 10 highly recommend. We'll continue reading the series. Um, and yeah, just like really moved by how this could have been handled so poorly and it could have been so cliched of like this young woman being, you know, preyed on and here's this big alpha male swooping in and rescuing her, but yet still has like a little bit of white knight in it. So if you get off on like chivalry's hot to you, even though you know it's problematic or like you still are like, yes, 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 fairy tales are crap, but also I kind of do want to be saved by someone. Pick up this book, man. I'm telling you. 
<laughs> uh, and it includes my favorite character of all time, who I hope at some point gets his own standalone book. He's literally just known as the Russian, and he's a Russian hockey player that's part of the book club. He speaks broken English, and he has terrible digestive issues. And so every single fucking book club reference is him like taking a massive shit wherever they're going because he's like Ew, constantly wow. sick all the time. <laughs> and I find it very funny. So. Um, I mean, I would prefer not a story about him <laughs> if it's going to involve his his bathroom moments. <laughs> I just like at one point they bring him to the farmhouse to like meet up to try to f- plan what to do. And then she's like, why did you bring him here? You know, there's old pipes in this house. And like all this just like references to this Russian man. And oh like, God. I just find it so fucking funny. Um, so, yeah. So that was Undercover Bromance by Lisa K. Adams, book two in the uh bromance book club series um came out in 2020 oh. highly recommend i you know like the, this russian guy it's gonna he in his book it's gonna be that he has to go to toronto ontario <laughs> and and pay for some privatized allergy testing and it's gonna turn out he's allergic to like gluten and meat protein <laughs> and all these things <laughs> And has to become a vegan, and then it, he makes it question. Basically, it's your story, but as as a Russian, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're like, oh, it okay. turns out he was bit by a tick when he was 16, and that's why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for folks who don't know, I'm allergic to animal protein, and I only got diagnosed when I was 26 years old, and no one figured out why until a few years ago when it became known that there is a tick that has been in Canada for quite some time now that if you get bit by it the only symptom is that you're allergic to animal protein and really i didn't know that was the reason yeah <laughs> seriously yeah i didn't yeah, know yeah. so when i was 18 for my 18th birthday i went on a camping trip and i came home with this like very weird bite on my ankle that was like blue and swollen oh. and my mom brought me to the hospital because they were like what the fuck is this thinking it was a spider bite of some sort and the doctors were like we have no idea what this is but it does not appear to be poisonous and if it doesn't go down in like a week come back and then it just sort of cleared up and la dee da and i moved away to go to school and i started getting sick but i thought it was the stress and i was in an abusive relationship and so like just spent years trying to figure out what it was and then yeah i got diagnosed at 26 at this special clinic in toronto and then a few years ago there was this big um like i don't know not study but there was this big thing announced about how there's this tick is now in canada and it was actually my mom who contact who like sent it to me and was like, "Oh my god, remember that bite you had?" And I thought, "Holy shit, that's huh. what it was." Yeah. So tuck your wow. pants into your socks and don't do like I do, which was like I was just an eighteen year old in Daisy Dukes and fucking sandals, just like walking <laughs> around in the tall grass, just being like, "Hi boys," just being a hot eighteen year old. And uh, as a result, I now can't eat chicken. <laughs> so here we are. That could be the Russian. I mean, the moral of the story is if you have to go outside, tuck your pants in your socks, I think. The moral of the story is I should just stay to who I am, which is indoorsy. Like, I don't like the outdoors. The outdoors do not like me. And could have had a steak, but I wanted to frolic in a fucking field instead. And this is what I get for not staying inside. So... But I have been dying all week to know what you read, Renee. I gave you the theme of book club. I know you didn't read one of the books from this particular series. I've never heard of another romance related to book clubs. So please tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. What did you read this week, Renee? Um, well, I read a book called The Book Club. Oh, <laughs> well, that's anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I apologize. Um, by an author called Amber Collins from West Virginia, and uh, I wasn't—I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen in this book. The synopsis didn't reveal a lot. Okay. Um, so join me oh. on the journey. Oh, I'm excited. Um, Paul, is it Delivy or Delight? Whatever, Paul. Paul is an author. He was, for a time, a a very renowned romance author, very well known in the romance world, writing typical 
heteronormative romance. And out of nowhere, he just starts getting these really terrible reviews and other writers were just dragging him in, in the romance circuit. Um, and he just like, couldn't do well at interviews. He wasn't getting any more book signings and he, his career just starts to like disappear. And then he and his wife go on a retreat where there's another author in the same genre as him. And it turns out like his wife leaves him for this other guy and his life is in a decline. Paul is just not thriving. And Paul, like any man, you know, has tastes when it comes to companionship and, and what goes on in the bedroom. Um, but some of his tastes, he just really didn't talk about or share with people. And they were really niche tastes, I will say. And so he decides, well, you know, maybe I can, I can write with a pseudonym um, and write something more along the lines of what my fetish is. Oh, and so he does. Oh God. He does. Oh God. And oh God. he blows up. People love his work. He can't believe that he's writing these books and people are just eating it up. His pseudonym is Johnny Smalls. Oh. And Johnny Smalls is thriving. He's thriving. So <laughs> one day, Johnny gets an email. And it's from a woman in Georgia who's like, we love your work, my book club and I, and I'm offering you $20,000 and I will send it immediately if you agree to come, to come to my town and do a little talk at the library, do a book signing, and then join us for our book club. Well, like, how can he resist, right? Here's, here's a community of people who like the same kink that he likes that are really into his books and are going to give him 20 grand to show up yeah he's going of course who wouldn't who wouldn't the things i would do for twenty thousand. oh my god you don't really know like, no no so he heads to this town and he meets cindy mcteague and cindy is like Georgia peach, like just sweet as they come. She um, is kind of like the person that runs this town. You know, she's, um, you know, very wealthy. She has a twin sister. Um, they live in a big mansion and she invests in this town so that it can thrive. So everybody really likes her and she meets him and she's like, let's go on a tour. And so they go to like the library and he meets the librarian there and he um he meets like you know just like all these women all these beautiful gorgeous women and he's just like humana humana they're so beautiful i'm i can't believe they like my work and they do they really love his work in fact the whole town of laurel grove loves his work and his books are stacked in their library which is kind of weird <laughs> kind of weird so he sees the uh, tiny doll shop. They really love dolls there and like little miniatures and stuff. So do I. Oh, right? so that's love not a miniature. Love a fucking miniature. Oh, obsessed. Um, and the miniatures here are like oddly accurate. Like they're just, I mean, if, if you're into miniatures, like you can get oddly accurate ones and that's great. So I don't know why he's so forward, but he is. Then he goes to another place where, uh, which is called the House of Herbs. So it's like not a pot shop. It's like a, like a big greenhouse kind of thing. Um, and he starts meeting different characters. He meets an Amber. He meets a pansy. He meets like a Daniela. He meets all these people. And so he goes to um, his library thing and it's packed. And he's just like, what? Like, I don't understand. And it's packed with women. There's no men there. It's just women. And he's like, that's really weird. Okay. Um, and then uh, Cindy takes him to her antebellum mansion on the hill. And the book club is full of the same people that were at the library. So he's like, what the fuck? And so 
he is there and he is um just like chatting it up and they're like what about your books um like are you into and he's like well you know it's kind of like a niche thing and you know i I just wanted to write something for that community in particular and they say you know well if you were like one of the characters in your book like how would you handle that and he's like well i would love it it's like i write these based on my fantasies and um I would just be really excited to have something happen to me the way it does to the character in my book. And that's when he notices that his clothes are getting kind of big. And he's like, what's going on? And then he notices like the sweet tea that he was drinking. And then he's like, wait a minute, I'm shrinking. He's shrinking because he writes books about men who shrink and then turn into and just have sex with giant women. Um, Not natural giant tesses, just the men are teeny tiny. So everyone Um, is giant compared to them. Yeah, because they've been shrunk down. Um, So Amber Collins, the author of this book, writes macro and microphilia books which is being teeny tiny and being gigantic. So it turns out all the ladies in this town are witches and they have a fetish for teeny tiny men and fucking with them. So when they asked, you know, what would you do if, if you were like one of the characters in your book and you got shrunk down? He's like, well, you know, I would like worship some feet and like, I would want to be in between some big old titties and like lie down between them. And I would want to be like a human dildo. And they're like, excellent. So the book club shrinks them down and then an orgy ensues where Johnny is the only man. And uh, all the witches are are just macking on each other. Um, And he's he's pretty into it. Pretty into it. Um, And then at the end of the orgy, they're like, he's like, okay, well, are you going to make me big again? They're like, nope, you're here forever now. He's like, "Mm, chick, please. (laughs) Like, that's pretty much the end of the book. Oh my yeah. god, Renee! Renee! Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you uh, know that when you started reading it? No. Oh, no, I did boy. not. Okay. Um, here's what I want to say. Okay. Amber Collins is an English literature major with an emphasis in British literature, and this was one of the most excellently written books I've ever what? read. What? What? No. It was so well written. Um, Amber Collins has written over 200 books. And this one specifically was a commission. What? So if you go to her website, which is giantessamber.com, for 200 bucks, you can commission a story. um, And she gets to keep the copyright to it. Um... But here's what she says right off the bat. I will not do any scat. Oh! Definitely. Definitely no underage characters. I could do furry, but I'm not very familiar with it. So I'm not sure the story would turn out how you'd like. I usually don't like to do trademarked characters from somewhere else, usually because I'm just unaware of them. I've never seen an episode of Battlestar Galactica. So if you ask me for that, you might be disappointed with what I come up with. I hate writers who write a genre they do not love, and I don't want to be that at all. However, if you have any questions, just ask me. She really likes Norse mythology. So, um, for $200, we could get a Ravage Love giantess story if we wanted. And she has everything. Like, she's got lesbians, fairies. There's the goliath virus story there's the shrinking and tiny man collection there's the gentle girls collection the slumber party it just goes on hr relations like she has over 200 books julie including the book club Two, the journalist where um 
Jack goes to investigate where Paul has gone. <laughs> oh so, my God. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. It was kind of hot, Juliet. <laughs> what? What? Because it was a lesbian orgy. It was a lesbian uh, orgy, and he was just kind of there. Like, he was, he was just there. At one point, they, like, uh, the main character, like, not the main character, but, like, the hostess, like, grabs him. She's like, uh, like, I don't know. I think she's like, the water's fine. And then, like, shoves him up her pussy. And he's like, I held my breath. And I'm like, I would, too. Yeah. I would, too. There's, like, a shapeshifter um, witch who looks really old. And then she, like, shifts and she's not. She's sexy. And he's like, oh, damn. Anyway, there's a goth t- oh, giant lady. Oh, my God. That's everything you love. Yeah. It was literally, I could see myself in the characters of this book. Um, it was very well written. Do I have the time for a tiny man? No. Do I think maybe you do? Sure. This might be up your alley, Julie. Just say it. <laughs> you could literally put this man in your pocket. Oh, it's literally. true. It's true. I do tell people I love a pocket-sized man. I do want to yeah, on- like, take a little short king and carry him <laughs> around. But I on- don't think I literally want to. <laughs> I mean, on the cover of the book club, too, it's like this like sim, almost like a computerized woman. And then uh, there's just a little man peeking out of her cleavage and that could be you <laughs> okay i have to ask you and our listeners this is a spoiler slash trigger warning i don't know what to talk <laughs> have you watched the first episode of the latest season of the boys i have not um i love that show but that fucking america guy like is milk fed oh homelanders love for breast milk yeah Yeah. so i'm just gonna tell you what the first episode is because i haven't continued watching it and i don't know that i ever will because it was so gory and disturbing Um, but i want to watch it okay well just tell me it's fine i will only accept a spoiler from you it's not even really a spoiler because it's like it's a nobody character but the soups. Anyways, if you don't know the boys, the premise is it's basically dark, 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 realistic look. And if we had superheroes, they would probably be owned by a corrupt organization and they would be drunk on power. Um, and there's a group of vigilantes that are trying to take them down. And there is a character that literally is only in the first 15 minutes of the episode, <laughs> has never been seen before or since, who... Um, or you'll see him later on, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, his superpower is that he can shrink himself. Oh. And he goes... Uh, I don't know if he's a queer man, but he goes to bed with a man at a party, shrinks himself, and crawls into the man's dick. Like Oh, that's really tiny. Like, literally, like, crawls into his urethra and is in his shaft, and the guy's like, oh, yeah, like, coming, like, he's like, oh, this is so hot. And then the guy who is shrunken into his penis sneezes, which then no. makes him grow into his normal size, <laughs> so he explodes this man from the inside. <laughs> and this guy's fucking guts and blood are splattered all over the room, and then they have to try to capture him, and then he crawls up the pant leg of the very lovely French man who's part of the Vengilanti group. And then he literally tries to crawl into his asshole to get away from him. And then the uh, deaf, but not deaf, but mute, but not really mute Asian woman has to fish this man out of the other guy's asshole. And then they put him in a baggie and they take him away. Uh he literally crawls into the man's penis wow. and it's if you've ever watched the boys they fucking lean into the body horror and the gore of it so he's like literally like squishing his way in through this guy's dick and then he sneezes <laughs> and the guy just goes splat all over the fucking room and i was like this is the first 10 minutes i don't know that i can watch this <laughs> so the second you the second you said he shrunk i was like oh i mean when i watch the boys um there's that one superhero that's like sitting on this guy's face and then crushes his head <gasps> oh um, yeah. and Didn't i'm like I, <laughs> no i was like i feel really empowered right now um 
That's because so I like, almost listen, smothered him. If you're going to die, you're going to die. 100%. And I've almost smothered a man to death by sitting on his face. So I, I was like, can relate. Um, I mean, third time's a charm. 100%. Just got to try again. Hop back on the yeah. old horse, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> are you even able to read a passage of that book? Oh, yeah, I am. Okay. Okay. Sure am. Well, fucking blow me away. <laughs> Hopefully not literally. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. All right. Now, I want to stress, I'm not doing this accent because I love it, because I do love it. This is set in fucking North Carolina or South Carolina, one of the Carolinas, and they have thick accents. Okay. So if there's any dialogue in this, which I don't think there is, um, you're getting an accent. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> are you ready oh ready as will ever be <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> he was hanging upside down in the air dangling just before a giant face and right before he realized it was pansy who held him he was rushing toward her mouth sure that this was the end his hands groped against gleaming white teeth across a slick, muscular tongue. It was as if his skin was pulling from his bones by the way she sucked, and as her hold on his feet remained, he knew she wasn't trying to swallow him, but instead cleaning him off, tongue lashing all across his body. She placed him on the bed between her legs, just in front of a slit that was as tall as his whole body. It was the third one he'd been so close to tonight, and as she spread herself open, revealing her wonderful pink insides, he knew it wasn't the last. Behind him, girls continued to swap out, to kiss, go down on, play with breasts. But Ginny remained on the edge, watching him with cool, calculated eyes. The fact that she was staring down at him made his juices surge, as if she were waiting on him to tie her out before indulging herself. And for some reason, he thought that proving himself a good shrunken lover would garner her approval. <laughs> so he pushed his way into Pansy and for as forcefully as he could, listening to the giant woman coo and moan by his entry. He gave her the same treatment as all the others, thrashing around with his arms and legs, beating against her walls of meat, until she relaxed and let him, uh, let him push deeper inside. At this point, he couldn't help but finish his own arousal, so he reached down, took his cock in his hand, and started to jerk it, while using the other hand to keep himself balanced. When he finally did shoot his lo load, it was minuscule, hardly a drop <laughs> compared to the rolling juices of the aroused women. Long after he finished, he kept the momentum going, moving his arms and legs in rhythm to her clenching and relaxing. And when it was over, he was treated to the biggest gusher of all, which shot him clean out and onto the bed. He was surrounded by giant feet. Some were simply lying there resting while others were clenching toes in tight little balls because of some of, because some of the women were still being sucked on, licked, or fingered. Cindy was being serviced by both Emma and Daniela, while Ginny still remained on the edge of the bed, a careful observer. Paul walked beneath Pansy's arched leg, intent on heading directly to the goth woman's pussy, but instead she used her toes to grab him around the waist and lift him up. She lay on her back with her leg extended to the air, and while her grip didn't hurt, he still felt horribly vulnerable. The goth beauty reached up and plucked him, then rested him on the flat of her stomach. Her breasts were so large that he couldn't see her whole face as it stared down at him, inquisitive eyes shining. Play with my boobs, little man, she commanded. <laughs> Thank you. That was The Book Club by Amber Collins. Holy shit. <laughs> I love that you were able to end it with a little Southern accent also. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. That was the book club. <laughs> Jesus. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah. How long was it? It was, it was like 60 ebook pages, but I couldn't get it to load on my kindle so i have to read it on my phone at my new job oh um but i mean they all know what i do outside of work so it's fine <laughs> you're like how i spend my lunch break is my business not yours <laughs> just sitting there eating like a reheated hamburger like, <laughs> shopping a pete's pocket reading about a pocket-sized yep. man as you, you know, do he, he and then at the end, they were like, I have a really nice dollhouse you can live oh in. Oh. And he's like, he's like, okay. Oh, God. 
They're like, are you worried about your car? It's been taken care of. It's like a fucking Mazda. <laughs> like when he when he came into their house, there was like this big case and it had like fancy cars in it. And I was like, just give him one of the fancy cars. Why do you even bother to shriek his Mazda? Come on. Give him the Bugatti. <laughs> He's earned it. Whatever. Oh, my God. I love it. I mean, one last um, middle-aged man from society. So We love to see it. Love to see it. Are you going to read for me today? I am. I mean, it's, Palette cleanser? it's a fucking tone <laughs> change of tone in a big old way, but... Um, I'm just going to read you cause it's probably the best part without any context necessary. I'm going to actually read you the first couple of pages, um, because it gives you a sense of her incredible writing and kind of the, the tone of the book. So, uh, undercover bromance. <clears throat> Brayden Mack pulled his Porsche SUV into an empty spot at the back of the dark parking lot and waited for the signal facing him from two rows down a suburban idled with his lights on. A moment passed, then two. Finally, the Suburban flashed its high beams twice. It was time. He turned off the engine, silenced his cell phone, and shoved it in the pocket of his leather jacket. As he exited his car, the men in the other vehicle did the same. One by one, their hulking frames unfolded from the Suburban, their breasts forming little puffs around their faces. Mac met them halfway between the two cars. You're late, said Del Hicks, one of Mac's closest friends. I had to save a marriage. Another lonely wife? That was from Derek Wilson, a local businessman. Men never learn. Which is why we're here, right? Said Malcolm James, his voice deep and zen-like behind the thick beard that hung nearly to his collarbone. Right. Max sized up each man, measuring guts and commitment. Anyone who wants out, say it now, because the minute we start this, there's no going back. I'm in, Derek said. Yeah, man. Dell pounded one gloved hand into the other. Let's do this. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing again? Whined Gavin Scott, one of the newest members of the group, his shoulders hunched against the wind. Besides freezing our balls off? Mac turned and looked at the building. A bright red sign lit up the bustling sidewalk that ran the length of the strip mall. Music, city, books. For three years, their book club had hidden in the shadows, read in secret, met behind closed doors. There were ten of them in all, professional athletes and city officials, tech geniuses and business owners. And in the case of Mac, the owner of several Nashville bars and nightclubs, all drawn together by a shared love of books that had made them better men, better lovers, better husbands. Except for Mac on that last one. He was currently one of the last single guys in the group. What are we doing? He repeated, looking at the guys. We're going to buy some goddamn romance books in public. <laughs> he planted his hands on his hips and waited for the dramatic response. Maybe some cinematic music or something or a loud cheer from the guys. But all he got in response was a resounding fart from the fifth member of their group, a hockey player <laughs> whom everyone just called the Russian, who had an unfortunate intolerance for dairy products. <laughs> the Russian clutched his stomach. I have to find the bathroom. Max shook his head. <laughs> Let's go. The Russian took off first at the slightly lopsided gate. The rest of them followed with Mac in the lead. They waited at the edge of the parking lot for a line of cars to pass before jogging to the sidewalk. The Russian disappeared inside without a backward glance, his steps growing quicker every few feet. Things were getting dicey there. That bathroom had no idea what it was in for. R.I.P. to the bookstore's plumbing. Mac took a deep breath, hand on the door handle. He looked once again at the rest of the guys. Okay, here are the rules. Everyone has to buy at least one book for the rest of the club to consider for our next read. No hiding the covers. And if anyone asks, you are not buying it as a present. You are buying it for yourself. Any questions? What if someone recognizes us? Gavin grumbled. Of all the guys, he was probably the most famous and recognizable right now. As a player for the National Major League Baseball team, the Legends, he'd skyrocketed to national fame last year when he nailed a walk-off Grand Slam homer in a playoff game. Who cares if we're recognized, said Malcolm, another famous face. He was the running back for the Nashville NFL team. We spent a lot of time talking about the unfairness of how our toxic masculine society forces us to be ashamed of embracing romance novels yet we buy our books in secret so it's time we practice what we preach couldn't have said it better myself max said standing tall of course not gavin snorted malcolm has a genius iq dumbass mac flipped him off gavin returned the gesture <laughs> dell sighed and opened the door Ugh, i'll go first they attracted attention as soon as they walked in but mac doubted it was because anyone recognized any of them 
How often did a group of hulking, good-looking men walk into a bookstore together? They were like an offensive line for the Literary League of Tennessee. Where's the romance section? Dell asked quietly. Max shook his head, eyes searching the signs that hung from the ceiling. I, I don't see it. We're gonna have to ask for help, Malcolm said. Gavin cursed and tugged the brim of his cap lower to hide his face. They approached the information desk and a woman in an Irie Banned Books t-shirt looked up from her computer screen. Can I help you? Can you tell us where the romance section is? Malcolm asked. She squinted. Like, marriage and self-help and stuff? No, Max said, sidling up next to Malcolm. He propped one hand on the desk and leaned towards her with a smile. We mean romance novels. You guys are looking for the romance novel section, she said, skepticism hanging on every word. We sure are, Mac winked. The woman's cheeks flushed under his attention. I've never had men ask for romance novels. Mac leaned closer and lowered his voice to a level somewhere between seductive and cons- I can never say that word. Conspiratorial? Conspiratorial. Her blush deepened. There are a lot of us, he murmured. She pointed towards the back of the store. Last shelves on the right. And then they went and picked out their books. Oh. And he picked out a romantic suspense called The Protector about a secret service agent who has to protect the daughter of the president and then falls in love with her. Oh, I love it. Right? I, I love it. That. I truly, I have like no notes on her books. They're spicy. They're funny. They're like, have a good message. They're very consensual, but they're not like boring. And it's not like she rubbed herself against him and came like it's, they're spicy. Like the sex scenes are graphic, but the books are just so well-written and I just love this cast of characters. And again, again, if you've never listened to our first episode where I read some of her books, she was inspired by the fact that a huge chunk of the romance reader population are men. Like men do read romance, um, and but they're just not real. Like they're just not targeted in the marketing of them. But they do read it. So manga doesn't count. <laughs> I mean, even Fifty Shades. I fucking guarantee you, men read a shit ton of Fifty Shades. Ugh. And in fact, I know men are reading this stuff because when we posted on socials about how we had read Anne Rice's collection many men said that they read those books in university and love them. So. I mean, those are the men you stay away from. Oh, 100%. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to be anyone's pony, but um, I do love the idea of like alpha men reading romance and whether they're saying they're just reading it for the sex scenes or what, I don't know, but I love it. So thank you for... I mean indulging my love of book clubs and sh letting me choose that as our theme this week listen if you're a man and you tell me that your favorite book is not fight club um i'm already like interested to hear oh what you God. have to say if a, but if you say it's like catcher in the rye like we've done oh get the fuck out of here yeah. i don't know what i and i'm being completely honest right now i don't know what i would do if i went on a date with a man and his favorite book was written by a woman. I think I might just jump his bones right there. <laughs> but what if it was Ayn Rand? I mean, he would have read a 500-page book. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you right now. I dated a man whose favorite book was The Fountainhead. And he was psychotic and believed in Hollow Earth. So okay, don't trust I nobody who loves Ayn Rand. Can I Thank make a you. confession? No, if it has to do with... Unless it's, I believe in hollow earth. Like, I don't know. Okay, never mind. Never mind. I'll give it to myself. Um, no, no. Is, is it that you like the Fountainhead? Oh, I loved it back in the day. Loved it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't, I didn't. didn't hate it either. I don't like Ayn Rand. Oh, she's garbage. Yeah. And now if I read yeah. it, I would think it was absolutely terrible. And I was like, just write the philosophy book. Don't pretend that there's fucking fiction surrounding <laughs> this. Because it's basically like fiction. And then there's like 40 pages in a row where she's just pontificating. And then it comes back. And it's like, you should just. <laughs> why did you make this fiction? But. <laughs> like, it just made me so mad. Um, also, I read it and I was like nodding along to it when I was making six seventy five an hour at the mall. It's like, bitch, <laughs> she didn't care about you. Like, um, but 
so that's my first confession. My second confession is I've never dated a reader in my life. I've never dated a man that read. Not once. In fact, I definitely dated a man for years who had never written, who had never read a book in his entire life. Not once. And I was like, how did you get through high school? And he was like, I lied a lot. And I was like, yeah, because Wikipedia didn't exist back then. But literally, (laughs) I've I've never dated someone who was a reader. Not once. Huh. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I have either. Like, like, let's talk about how nice it would be. Just be like, it's Sunday morning. There's a cup of coffee or a nice tea in front of you. And y'all just sitting in silence reading the books. I like what a great time. I think I just came at the very top. <laughs> I honestly, to be, one, I think th- there's the intimacy of being in a room with another person where you're both doing your own thing, but you're still in each other's presence because that is like the comfort Whoo! throw that on the old fucking bucket list love that so much as like a quasi introverted person that's like my favorite thing but i would love to date someone anyone listening to this right now i am single for the first time since the year 2000 like now is my fucking time if you are a reader and it's not ain't right <laughs> i don't give a shit if it's john grisham or if it's fucking voltaire i don't care who it is i just the idea of reading a book in the presence of someone else and then talking about books with them later like there's a reason i'm in three different book clubs like i just i find it so hot to like <laughs> see people reading and to connect with someone about that so um yeah so that's why I joined a bunch of book clubs, basically, because I just <laughs> want to be around people who read because I've never dated a reader. Not once. I would love to say I did, but not once. So that's um, that's on my list. <laughs> Cannot I be mean, threatened by my success is pro-choice loves to read. Call me if this is you. <laughs> We're going to turn our podcast into a dating app for me. <laughs> I mean, I know that we're in love and we could sit and read, but neither one of us is going down on the other. Oh, we need options. We do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I, you know what? I'm uh, first, I'm going to break the curse that the witches put on you. And then we're going to find you a well-read man or woman or woman, a well-read individual. Let's just say that a (laughs) well-read individual. Uh, I don't discriminate. Um, but I do, I think I'm, I think it might be a boundary for me. I think I'm having this realization right now on the show. I think live, like we're going full (laughs) Bill O'Reilly. Fuck it. Let's do it live. I'm going, I'm saying it. I'm saying it right now. I don't think I ever want to date someone ever again who doesn't like reading. That's it. Done. Established. You could be tall. I'll even let you be tall. (laughs) (laughs) You really just... You know, throwing all your, uh, you know, preferences out the window. Oh, I really <laughs> yeah. am. Like, I will date you if you're tall, if you also read. But if you're tall and you don't read, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out. <laughs> I'll date a short man who doesn't read, but never a tall one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll negotiate, but only so far, you know? <laughs> someone could teach what if he is illiterate oh teach a man to read oh my god don't even fucking get me started that's like pushing all of my buttons i'm like oh do i get to take care of you and teach you how to read what is this fucking kate winslet in the reader like no no this is this is some miracle worker oh fuck me up helen keller i'm coming for you Helen Keller was a freak. She was. Was that incredible TikTok? Did you see that incredible TikTok where someone was like, if, oh, fuck. And it was like, if you are one, if some of your senses are, are dulled, then it heightens your other sentence, sentence, uh, uh, senses. And then someone's like, does that mean that Helen Keller was the throat goat? <laughs> <laughs> Her and fucking Harry Houdini. Oh, magic freaks. everywhere. Freaks. <laughs> uh, no, if you are dyslexic or illiterate or ESL, 
right? Like if you're ESL and you read, but not like in your mother tongue, but you're learning to read English anyways, I'm just saying, I, I want to see hot people at the library is really what I'm saying. (laughs) I never do, but I want to. Um, So anyways, if you read, if you're short and you read (laughs) and you're not threatened by uh, an ambitious woman, uh, whew, whew. See, I know this person doesn't exist, which is why I'm not threatened of having our podcast shut down forever. (laughs) You're like, this isn't going to fucking twat swat us at all because Julie is never going to find this person. (laughs) So sad. So sad. Anyways, well. I think you're describing Keanu. (laughs) Oh, don't even. Oh, my God. If you ever show me a picture of Tom Cruise reading, I would instantly panty soup like he just be reading like Elrod hubbard no but still still oh give me a short man with a book like i can't i can't i can't isn't he dyslexic though who tom cruise yeah oh i don't know is he i think i think he is i mean he's a man of many talents he's a man of many disorders Uh, because he doesn't believe in psychiatry, you can't diagnose him. Oh, I can do what I want. I read books. <laughs> I got the DSM five on my shelf right now. Oh my god, <laughs> I would hate fuck the shit out of Tom Cruise, and that's a hundred percent what it would be. I hate everything. I mean, there's probably like a sheet you have to put. Oh, and you can't make any noise and shit. Well, anyways. Yeah. Traumatic. Moral of the story is I made this about book clubs so that I could read a book I enjoyed and do a call to action for short readers to call me. <laughs> imagine, imagine that Tom Cruise sounds like a very vocal like woman in the bedroom, oh, but like you had no idea. <laughs> is that a deal breaker? Yes or no? No. <laughs> But it like, but like, like a porno though. Like you know when they they're like, oh yeah, like oh they yeah, sound like Ooh, anime girls. Like that, that. That's what he sounds like. That would be hard, actually. Yeah, that would be hard. I would okay. prefer like a quiet place situation where they made no <laughs> noise. Because <laughs> did he made Katie Holmes have a silent birth? I mean that that yeah, that's a Scientology. Thing. Yeah, exactly. So like maybe he also was very quiet in in the in bed. I don't know, but. Um. Yeah, I mean, we can we could write that fanfic. Honestly, I think my like biggest turnoff would be let like I mean the the porno voice is not great, but I think about like um (laughs) David Beckham, and you know how he has like a weirdly high pitched voice for a super masculine man. Like it is quite jarring. He sounds like Mickey Mouse. And it would be extremely upsetting to go to bed with someone that hot who then was like, oh, yeah, like in these weird, like, <laughs> I don't, I couldn't deal. I couldn't deal. That would be a deal breaker. You're oh. absolutely correct. Even someone who is like a perfect 10 in the looks department, if they are like, oh, yeah, I'd be like, no, I can't. <laughs> he's a perfect 10, but he's castrati. <laughs> That's that's my I peaked. That's it. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. <laughs> I can't oh, okay. I can't say anything okay. else. Okay, now I feel like I need to do it in a high pitched voice, like <laughs> the Pope is literally coming to Edmonton this week. <laughs> is he really? Yeah, he's like touring. Oh <laughs> he's going to like. Lack St. Anne on, like, the Feast of St. Anne Day. Oh, my fucking God. Then he's supposed to be retiring. Ugh. The Pope? The Pope Franny, our boy. Our boy? Yeah. He's retiring? Our boy. Yeah, oh, I man. think so, because he's got, like, a lot of, like, body issues. <laughs> does, he think, <laughs> does he think he's fat? Is he anorexic? Is that what you mean? Or his body is falling apart like fucking Nosferatu? 
the second one. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, but he might be delivering an apology to Indigenous- residential schools oh, wow. this, this week. Um, Way to yeah, fucking make it depressing before we end it, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's gonna, I'm sure, like, he'll have his little custrive. <laughs> shoes franny's humble oh benny benny had the yeah. benny had the gucci shoes because benny was Cole palpatine yeah he was in red yeah he, lo- he loved a fucking gucci slipper i mean who doesn't okay, nazi but... yeah Whew. you know what um Pope palpatine would have gotten on swell with ain ray 100 <laughs> oh my god they could have bumped uglies and fucking had a good old time Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to sing us out, buddy. Let's (laughs) fucking put the people out of their misery. (laughs) 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 Okay. I can't even do it now. Ravage love. Ravage love. (laughs) Okay. Bye. Bye. Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS, the number two, J Show. Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com. Ravage Love.